0: Hi, do you know where English is from? You know, I know you know that English, the English language is from England or rather Britain. This not too big an island of the coasts of France and Holland or it's a place where most of your family are now living. But really, truly, where is the English language from? Have you ever thought about it? I'm sure some of you have. Given it some thoughts while studying all those irregular verbs or going through the depths of the difference between the present perfect simple and the present perfect continuous. And I'm also sure that your thoughts were not those of amazement and curiosity, but of frustration and anxiety. But the truth of the matter is that all these frustrating and anxiety-inducing aspects of English its exceptions and exceptions from exceptions, its irregularities and lapses of logic have a historical explanation. In other words, by thinking about what English is from and how it has evolved over all those centuries, we might find out some of it rather beautiful or culturally enriching. With me to discuss the very eventful history of the English language is Anna Voitish, an associate professor at the Institute of English Studies and Vice-Dean for Research and Cooperation at the Faculty of Modern Languages. Her research interests include English historical linguistics, with a focus on medieval phonology, morphology and lexis, sociolinguistics and varieties of English. She is an editor of Anglica, an international journal of English studies, the journal in literary, cultural and linguistic studies. I'm Bartosz Rutosteński. This is ISP, an official Institute of English Studies podcast channel. I'm very sorry for the quality of uh, my voice during the interview. I was quite ill at that time. I'm sorry. I hope this will not prevent you from enjoying the show. Hello, Anya. How are you today?
1: Hello. I'm quite all right
0: <laughs> <laughs> quite all right quite all right great it's, it's quite okay that you are quite all right i'm really happy that you found some time to meet up with me today uh i'm sorry I'm, I'm taking up your time considering especially the fact that the weather is so great outside but we have a pretty interesting subject to discuss today uh which is the history of english i've just uh, f- um uh, found that uh, currently one point three billion people around the world speak English, uh, which makes uh, this language the most popular language at the moment um and I'm just I was thinking about you know how many people th- who struggle with learning this language um, have ever thought about the reasons why this language is as it is uh, right so for example for example uh th- that it's so sometimes so eccentric and sort of kind of quizzical uh but b- before we get to this sort of uh, this kind of eccentricities of language Anya, i would like you to um sketch out very briefly the history of of english where it comes from uh what are its origins
1: well I think that uh, most people who speak English uh, at one point or another in uh, the process of learning, it's uh, wondered about certain intricacies of the language. Uh, There are quite a lot of irregularities in the language. And uh, I think that... uh, all those people who started learning it um the moment you come across a certain irregularity you wonder for a moment at least um so yeah just
0: for, for just for, for a very brief moment like why yes. the hell is this like this i think yeah. i
1: think it's always like that with the language uh so um you start with uh, learning English, uh, you come across uh, the system of pronouns, uh, you probably start wondering why one of them is uh, spelled with a <laughs> capital letter. Yeah, exactly. You you come across the the system of nouns, you learn that uh, you uh, create plural by attaching S, and then they tell you there is a list of uh, exceptions, uh, exceptions like uh, woman-women, uh, uh, man-man, uh, goose-geese, uh, but also exceptions in pronunciation because you have wolf and then you have wolf right so, so yeah, there is a yeah. uh, voicing um you learn about verbs uh, past tense and you learn that uh, yeah in the case of some verbs it is this in the case of some verbs it is that and in the case <laughs> of some other it's something completely else yeah and um, i also uh, think that uh, one of the things that uh, strikes us is uh, um The problem of uh, reading and writing Um, because I remember when I started uh, learning English uh, I always expected uh, my teacher to give me some kind of rules as regards the reading Uh, like for instance in French they tell you Mm -hmm. that if you come across this uh, string of uh, sounds, letters you pronounce it this way, if you come across this string of letters you pronounce it that way. Um, In English you never get it, Um, (laughs) you only get words and they tell you how to pronounce those words and (laughs) And then they tell you, uh, yeah, but in this word it's different. uh, And in that word it's uh, yet again different. (laughs) Um, So I think that uh, in the case of English, uh, you really have a lot of things to wonder about um,
0: Mm.
1: in the process of learning. Presumably, in the majority of cases, people just come across it, wonder for a moment, and then simply accept it. So, I think that uh, once you've learned uh, the plural of nouns, you stop wondering why. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's this, and sometimes it's that. You simply treat it as a natural thing. Um, but uh, lots of people do not treat it as a natural thing, and uh, we know it very well, because if you look at the varieties of English all over the world, and if you look at uh, how people speak English all over the world, you will see that uh, in many situations uh, uh, there is a tendency for regularization so mm-hmm. uh, um, so you come across those uh, strange forms like uh, uh, gooses, for instance <laughs> right uh, wow. uh, sometimes sometimes it's uh, it's a kind of a mistake of course on the part of uh, the foreigner but sometimes uh, it's it's simply a, a feature of uh, a certain variety a certain dialect that uh, they do not permit such uh, such exceptions uh, which are in the majority of cases they are simply like some remnants of uh, historical processes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, after this little introduction, um, uh, to go back to your question, um, so English uh, is a Germanic language, of course. Uh, it belongs to the group of West Germanic languages. Um, so, it originated uh, on the continent, uh, so Europe, of course. And, um, and at a certain moment in time, uh, it was as if transported uh, uh, onto the British Isles. Uh, it was uh, more or less the mid-5th century where mm-hmm. uh, when we have uh, uh, Germanic tribes uh, moving on to onto the British Isles. Yeah, the um, Angles,
0: right? The Angles, the, Angles, the, Saxons, the Saxons, the Jutes. Uh, yes, or... and the
1: mysterious Jutes uh, uh, no, that nobody really knows whether they existed or not. Because Really? Uh,
0: is, that, is it a kind of a mystery? I, I thought it was a kind of a historical fact that these folks actually know were there. No, it's not that certain, is
1: actually, it? Actually, the name Jutes, uh, as far as I know, is mentioned only in one historical source, which is reads right. the text, uh, um, and uh, oh, uh, the Venerable the- Bead, yes. The question is whether you believe Bede or <laughs> <laughs> or not really. And um, at the same time, uh, there is quite a lot of evidence that uh, fr- uh, uh, d- there were also some other tribes, uh, like Frisians, for instance, oh, uh, right, yeah. that uh, that uh, moved on to the British Isles. And um, Angles and Saxons were definitely there. And uh, uh, we uh, have uh, the evidence uh, of that. Even if you don't trust uh, uh, historians, uh, you have the evidence in, in place names. Uh, So the very name England, English... Is uh, connected with Angles, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the place names, all those uh, place names that end in "sex," like Wessex, Sussex, Essex. Uh, uh, we they are of course uh, connected with uh, with Saxons. Uh, so uh, Angles and Saxons, hence the name Anglo-Saxon England and Anglo-Saxon era and Anglo-Saxon culture and uh, and so oh, on. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was it was transported there, and uh, the interesting thing uh, uh, is that. Uh, Since it was a language which was brought by several different tribes, and it was actually not one language, it was uh, several different types of language uh, that uh, appeared on the British Isles, and uh, we perhaps could uh, talk about uh, v- varieties or dialects. Um, and uh, from the very, very beginning, uh, we talk about uh, a pretty complex uh, dialectal situation on the British Isles. So um, so there was no moment in time when English would be a uniform language uh, spoken by everyone uh, in the same All way. Right. Okay. um uh, so so from the very beginning you have uh, you have dialects you have dialectal differences in different areas um later on of course uh, the situation remains exactly the same i mean the dialects prevail mm-hmm. um and if if anything happens uh, perhaps they just multiply uh we can talk about this um and um, The next uh, uh, very important uh, thing is uh, the external influences on English, of course, Uh, because
0: uh, I want to ask about about uh, exactly ask or question or interrogate you, like no, like because no, all these words. Mean the same, they come from different sources and uh, you will explain uh, the sources uh, in a second. But it's kind of um, interesting to know that even though that there, there are these multiplicities of, 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 let's say, Englishes or the dialects of English, uh, it uh, it had to somehow consolidate over the time, uh, didn't it, right? So um, at what point did it start or commence uh, to consolidate and at uh, what um, moment uh, in history uh, these external influences were molding it further and further
1: Well, the external influences uh, um, uh, on on, uh, what you might call English uh, actually started uh, even before English uh, can be called English uh, because uh, we (laughs) note uh, the external influences uh, um, the moment that uh, Germanic tribes are still on the continent uh, and you have uh, some influences from Latin, for instance. And uh, the moment that the language is brought onto the British Isles, uh, it's brought together with uh, those words that uh, come from... Uh, from continents, Latin uh, castrum, for instance, which means a camp, uh, which uh, in English nowadays you can see in uh, especially in uh, place names uh, with the element caster that are localized in the north and with the element chester that are localized in the south. Um, I right. then Didn't know about it. Yeah, <laughs> then you have uh, uh, then you have uh, uh, Latin influences uh, uh, continuing and uh, becoming uh, stronger and stronger, um, especially after England became a Christian country. So the baptism of England, the end of the sixth century, and uh, you start to have this influx of religious words um, um, appearing uh, in English. So uh, the words that are connected with uh, Christian religion, which are uh, connected uh, uh, with uh, um, uh, names of people with elements of the church uh, they, they are all or most of them are usually from latin sometimes they originated in greek and then from greek into latin from latin into into english but uh, all those uh, those basic very basic names uh, that's uh, that we have uh, in english uh, and uh, connected with christianity are are actually latin names um in fact not only words but uh, also uh, for instance changes of meaning uh, like um, you can give an example of uh, of for instance the word uh, uh, hell which uh, hell? originally was hell mm-hmm. right which was originally the name of uh, the goddess uh, uh, who ruled like underground and the moment that uh, christianity appeared the word hell got those associations of a place where people go to after the they die if they oh, are wow. wicked. Uh, so you have what we call semantic expansion of uh, of a word. So you get this uh, this uh, additional uh, uh, sense. And, uh, so this is Latin, and um, and then you have uh, invasions uh, onto the British Isles. And uh, whenever there are any conquerors coming and uh, settling, uh, they bring their language and they bring uh, uh, their own uh, impact on English. So uh, we have Vikings coming um, uh, onto England, onto the British Isles, uh, not yet called the British Isles. um, And you have the influx of uh, uh, borrowings from Old Norse. Actually, quite a lot of uh, words, and uh, sometimes very important words, because uh, the languages were very, very similar. And uh, uh, since uh, uh, Vikings, uh, um, after uh, the truce that was signed with uh, King Alfred, they were given their own area on the, the English territory, which was called Danelaw. Um, they are, were actually neighbors with Anglo Saxons. So we had Anglo Saxons, and you had, uh, and you had uh, Scandinavians uh, living. Um, alongside, right, being neighbours, living side by side, presumably um, having contacts and uh, communicating on a daily basis. Yeah, and yeah. uh, um, it seems that uh, the languages were very, very similar as regards uh, the roots of the words, uh, because they, of course, come from the same source. They are both Germanic languages, uh, whereas the pronunciation was different and the endings were different. And uh, actually, some linguists uh, uh, here find one of the reasons for the loss of endings uh, in, uh, in English, because English was an inflectional language, and now it's not. and uh, um, and then uh, yeah, and the, the interesting thing that uh, you can see here is, uh, for instance, the so-called doublets, uh, because Scandinavians, uh, uh, for instance, did not palatalize uh, uh, elements uh, consonants, whereas Anglo Saxons did. So you have doublets such as, uh, uh, for example, skirt, which comes from Scandinavian, and shirt, which is an Anglo Saxon uh, word. And nowadays you have both uh, in use uh, in in the language. Wow, but amazing! They come from, yeah, they come from the same the same uh source right uh, it's exactly the same the same word that uh, um, is originally there um and that's why um, all the words we start with are actually old Norse words so sky skull uh, ski rights and so on you you have uh, you have those uh, those uh, scandinavian uh, uh, elements uh, uh, taken um and of course this uh, leads us to um, normans uh, the no- norman conquest yeah, the ten, and uh, the famous ten 1066. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> if uh, if a student of English philology remembers any date, <laughs> then it's 1066, yes. of course, and uh, the the Battle of Hastings and uh, and the influence of uh, Norman French uh, on English. Um, So uh, the situation where uh, which continued for a few centuries, where you have uh, two languages uh, uh, spoken uh, in England, actually three languages, if you uh, count Latin, which was always the language of uh, church and education. Um, So uh, we have uh, we have higher classes speaking uh, French um, or in fact, Norman French, because it was uh, it was a dialect of uh, French Um, and you have lower classes speaking English and um, and some linguists uh, actually claim that uh, English was pretty close uh, to extinction at a certain moment. And really, uh, was it? That's, yeah, they, they believe that uh, there was a possibility of uh, French uh, taking over. Um, other linguists do not agree with them. Uh, but... Uh, it is a fact that uh, for a few centuries, uh, English was not used for the so-called high functions. So it was not really used for uh, for administration, uh, for um, um, any uh, official uh, reasons. Uh, it was not used uh, at the royal courts. Uh, it was not really used by uh, important people in the country. So uh, what we might call like aristocracy um, and so on. And um, and the influence of french uh, is actually everywhere i mean <laughs> whichever area of english you touch you will find french there um, is the
0: estimate true that uh, says that one one third of english or even more is actually french but englishized French is that is this? Is uh, that
1: a... It's always very okay. difficult to give any kind of numbers in the case of a language because um, because it always depends what you count. Okay. Um, uh, when I teach a course in the history of English words, um, at the beginning I give them some numbers and uh, and then I give my students some sentences and I show them the problems with counting. Uh so uh so I ask them, is it easy to count the words in the language? And at first everyone says, Yeah, sure, right? And then we look at some sentences and uh, I give them a sentence and I ask them, like, how many words are there in a sentence? Which seems to be a pretty silly question, in fact. <laughs> uh but uh, we very quickly realized that uh, that it's not a, a silly question at all, uh, because sometimes I get answers like one student says five and the other student says nine, and they hm. start quarreling. How, how,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. how come? <laughs> you, you, you must give us a for instance um, here. because it's, this is... uh,
1: it's, it's actually a very, very simple trick. Uh, so, for instance, um, uh, you you look at the sentence where you have a word the same word functioning as a verb and as a noun. So it's like you know she was right. uh, she was okay. supposed to chair a meeting, so she was a chair of the meeting. And the question is, uh, would you really count chair as two words because it's a verb and a noun, or would you count it as a one word which sometimes functions okay. as a verb and sometimes as a noun? Then you have, uh, uh, for instance, words which, uh, uh, which are used or have been used extremely rarely. Uh, the Oxford English Dictionary would give you a list of words that have been recorded once in, uh, uh, in English. Mm-hmm. Once, right? For instance, in the 18th century. Okay. Okay. And then the question is, do you really count such words? I mean, is it really a word in a language if it has been used once? Mm -hmm. then you have the problem of dialectal words so you have a word which is used only in Scottish English or for instance only in uh, uh, South African English so would you count it as an English word or would you not count it as an English word Uh, not to mention problems of phrasal verbs for instance right Uh, which is like the 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 ongoing debate if you have a phrasal verb like uh, uh, put, put off for instance so is it two words which have a different sense or is it actually should it be treated as one word because it has a certain sense right and and so on and so forth yeah, right yeah. so you can you can multiply it and then depending on what you really count as a word you may you may manipulate with the certain numbers uh, but uh, there is no denying that uh, the influx of uh, french is really amazing um Again, we, we sometimes have such exercises uh, with students where I show them English sentences where there is no English word, in fact, right? I mean, there's no originally etymologically mm-hmm. English word, uh, which is perfectly possible to have such a sentence in English. Yeah. Um, or it's possible to have a sentence where all lexical words, uh, and this is in fact very easy, uh, would be foreign. So uh, only grammatical words like uh, prepositions or like... Uh, uh, Determiners or pronouns are English words. Uh, those, those little small words that uh, that yeah, you have in English,
0: insignificant words. Yeah. Whereas
1: all nouns, verbs, and adverbs and uh, adjectives are are, are foreign. Um, so um, and then the next the next problem is uh, what would you really treat as an English word? Um, because uh, actually you have uh, the difference between uh, those words that are obviously foreign and uh, those words that are not that obviously foreign, at least not for for the users of the language. Uh, If you you ask someone uh, about a word like sushi, is it an English word? Probably everyone would say no, it's not, right? Uh, Because we are all aware that it's not an English word. But if you ask someone about a word like table, is it an English word? Then probably everyone would say sure it is, right? Uh, Whereas it's it's not. Okay. No. Mm And um, the the thing is that it's been in a language for such a long period of time, mm. and it has so well adapted to the language. It has English spelling, it has English pronunciation, and uh, it has English uh, stress. Uh, it behaves in an English word, so the plural is mm. tables, right? There is nothing foreign about it. So, so people would claim that it is an English word. Um, it's not an English word, right? And now, if you imagine that you are preparing an English dictionary, then you would definitely include a table. Yeah. Uh, you probably wouldn't include sushi. Um, <laughs> but then where would you really put like the the, 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 the border, right? Yeah, where is sure. the line? So is it the borrowing that is, has been in the language for 100 years, not yet included? Or should it be 150 years? Or should it be 200 years, right? You, you don't really know what to do about uh, such things.
0: Oh, it's all fascinatingly complex. Um, but you, 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 you've mentioned um, the phrasal verbs. So let's just zoom in on those nightmarish uh, aspects of, of English. Um, so, Anja, uh, for example, what about this, this, this bloody present perfect, simple and continuous? Uh, where is it from and why is it still there? Why do we have to torment and torture our students with these tenses year in, year out?
1: Well, um, I think that the simplest answer um, why it's there would be that... Uh, It seems that people felt the need for such a thing. Because when you look at various languages, you will come across many different things that seem to be illogical. And that's you are you don't really know why they are there. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, And from uh, from the point of view of one speaker, they may seem to be logical. From the point of view of a different speaker, they seem to be perfectly natural. And again, whenever someone tells me that uh, it is so logical in a, in a sentence to have this or that, or it's so illogical in a language to have this and that, I give them very simple examples uh, uh, of things that, that seem to be very natural for everyone. And uh, from the point of view of, uh, uh, of grammar, they are illogical. I mean, if you say, um, I have two books at home, mm-hmm. why do you use books in plural? I mean it is illogical. You have two standing before. So it's kind of obvious that you are talking about plural. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why don't you say two book, right? Which would be perfectly logical. I mean, you say two, so you mean plural. Yeah. Uh, this is a redundancy. This is nothing else. It's a redundancy, as simple as that, right? And this S is completely unnecessary in such a mm-hmm. in such a sentence.
0: Okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and 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 then it's like, you know, every everybody seems to be extremely surprised. Like say, yeah. Yeah, right. Why do we do it? <laughs> well, well we, we, well, we just we just do it. It's it's a language, right? Uh, but there are yeah. certain languages in the world where if you use uh, the numeral, you do not use the noun in plural because they treat it as a as a redundancy. Uh, now, coming back to uh, nightmarish present perfect, um, <laughs> um, this is a situation of uh, a structure which. Um, well, you can see very similar structures already in Old English, uh, but in Old English, such structures looked a bit different. We actually say that uh, there was no aspect uh, in English uh, uh, in uh, in the Old English times. Uh, aspect meaning uh, perfective, progressive, and simple, right? So the verb was just the verb. It was in one kind of an aspect. So you couldn't make it progressive. You couldn't make it perfective. Um, but at the same time, Old English had certain structures, uh, which actually, to some extent, uh, function today. So, it had structures like, for instance, um, she has the book written. So, in uh, in this order. So, this was a structure describing a state in which the book was, or she has the book cleaned, she has the table cleaned. And now, we are getting closer and closer to the structure which still exists today. Like uh, I'm having my car repaired, right? Yeah. So yeah. it was it was exactly this kind of a structure that uh, that existed uh, in Old English, which survived. Uh, we still use it. Now, at a certain moment in time, um, there was a, a change in the word order, and uh, the the uh, the verb moved uh, closer to the auxiliary. So not she has the table cleaned, but she has cleaned the table. Mm-hmm. And, and in this way, we start talking about a, a certain shift in uh, interpretation, because if you have a sentence, she has the table cleaned, then we describe the state in which the table is. But if you have a sentence, she has cleaned the table, then the focus moves on to the action, what kind of an action was uh, performed. Uh, and this is actually the moment when we talk about the development of uh, uh, Present, uh, present perfect um, so it, it developed from a structure which was very well established in the language uh, and uh, of course it's started to be used as a kind of a structure that's uh, uh, that uh, focuses on uh, on the meaning um, and unfortunately or who knows maybe fortunately hmm. once the aspect appeared so progressive and perfective uh, you can combine aspect with tense. This is the, 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 the possibility that grammar gives you, because in English you have two tenses. You have present tense and you have past tense. Now, the moment the aspect develops and you have three aspects, you can do various combinations That's so you right. can have present tense with progressive aspect, with perfective aspect, with simple. And this gives us what we call present simple, present perfect, present perfect, progressive, right, and, and so on and so forth. and. Uh, It's very difficult to say why, but it seems that English or, or the speakers of English kind of feel the need for, uh, for such a structure. And uh, that's why uh, it's still there in the language, because uh, presumably if, uh, if it was something that is completely unnecessary, then uh, it, it probably would have disappeared. Yeah. Uh, again, please yeah. note that uh, many varieties of English actually uh, are very happy without such constructions. I mean, Americans don't really like present perfect, and they don't yeah. really use it, yeah. and, uh, and they still communicate, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: yeah so so in a way then studying english is not about just language but it's about uh, a culture like like, a, like how does how, how a given culture sort of uh, determines the way we understand the reality and how we sort of represent the reality through grammar and language uh okay um i don't i don't think it helps much uh instead of you know making things easier
1: uh i think it does because i think that we should always have it in our mind somewhere there that's uh, uh, that a language is is uh, not really something that is acting on its own, mm-hmm. right, in separation somewhere there. It is it is something that is used by people, and just like you have uh, diversity in the case of people who who are taller and shorter, uh, 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 bigger and smaller, with uh, fair hair and dark hair, <laughs> with glasses and without glasses, and so on and so forth, you have also diversity in the case of a language because uh, because people need this diversity. And so it's, it is also something that's, uh, that is very closely connected with culture and must be connected with culture because uh, um, uh, language is, uh, um, is also constantly influenced and it's constantly uh, one of extremely important factors in uh, identity uh, of, uh, of the speaker. Oh, right, yeah. So, well, why doesn't everyone speak like uh, the <laughs> royal family yes. right i mean <laughs> if you have a modal <laughs> family uh, why don't you do it right uh, well they simply don't because uh, they do not identify with uh, with the royal family and uh, if you if you were born in, uh, in somewhere in a little village in essex uh, and you live there you speak like everyone else because this is your identity this is your yeah. place of origin this is your language this is the way you're neighbors speak, your friends speak and so on. So, um, I don't really think that uh, it it would be possible to have one uniform kind of uh, language. And uh, what is actually happening uh, to English right now is that uh, since it is a language that is used all over the world, uh, in many places it uh, becomes a kind of a localized language. So people take this English and they start to adapt it in such a way to, to make it their own. So to introduce some elements of their own language of their own culture and uh, into into English and uh, and produce some kinds of hybrids, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's also what Polish speakers do, but uh, not to such a great extent because we don't uh, communicate uh, with English in English on a daily basis. But uh, yeah. we we. H- create such uh, things like plaging, for instance right <laughs> so you you take yeah. the english word formation and you use it uh, uh, you apply it to, to to your own language or you create uh, like uh, some kinds of hybrid expressions you uh, you use calcs from english you say zrobiłeś mi dzień right uh, you, you made my day right mm-hmm. which is uh, which is an exact exact yeah, calque yeah. from english so and um, so so that's this is what what happens to the language it is alive and uh, and that's the s- nice truth or a sad truth because whenever you look at the history of a language you you always uh, um, talk about we try to find certain uh, patterns and certain rules but you will always find some kinds of exceptions which are there for one one reason or another
0: but Anya, I, I have uh, m- a million questions that I would really like to ask you uh, but I can't because of the time constraints. Uh, but, but one thing's been sort of nagging me. Why do we capitalize I? The pronoun I. Why I is capitalized and not, nothing else? Please, please re, 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 release me from that pain of not knowing. Um,
1: <laughs> well... Um, the um, I always give a, a kind of a I don't know maybe it's it's a kind of a naive explanation, uh, but it seems to be the only good explanation for it. Uh, okay. The 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 pronoun the first person pronoun uh, originally uh, consisted of uh, um, um, a vowel and a consonant. So uh, in spelling it was uh, it was the letter I and the letter C, and in pronunciation uh, it was ich, uh, So so palatalized ch. Um, so it was like in in German where you have. Right, so you so mm-hmm. had this consonant there, um, and then the, the the consonant started to be dropped. Uh, so this ch, uh, disappeared. Um, it's one of very few words in which uh, it happened, but it did happen. Maybe one of the reasons was uh, was pure frequency that you use this word so often that it was very easy to drop uh, this element. So when the consonant dropped, uh, uh, people were left with uh, uh, with the vowel e, uh, which was. Spelled with uh, one letter I.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then uh, 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 my, my professor who, who, who taught me the history of English, uh, uh, Professor Jerzy now I'm sure that uh, the, the students of English philology are were acquainted with the name uh, because of the books, for instance, um, simply said. That, He usually wrote it on on the blackboard and he said, look at it. I mean, (laughs) how stupid it looks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How how can you believe that it is an important word? I mean, and there is something in it. I mean, if you have one letter, which is a a letter corresponding to a vowel, it's okay if this is an article, like a, for instance. It is okay if it is a preposition, right? You can imagine a preposition Mm -hmm. like in, on, and so on. But it seems that it's not really okay when it is quite an important word, like a first-person pronoun. Um, And if you do a very simple exercise and you write a sentence with a small letter I – uh, you will see that it really looks very, very strange.
0: Yeah, quite and ridiculous.
1: Quite ridiculous because it doesn't really look like a word or if it does, <laughs> it looks like a very insignificant word, like an article. So this is the moment, actually, the, 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 the dropping of a consonant actually coincided with the first instances of capitalization. So it seems that there must be something in it that uh, th- th- there was a need to make this element a little bit more prominent so that everybody would notice that it's quite an important element in a sentence. Um, And if you look at all other pronouns, uh, they consist of at least two letters. And usually you have a consonant, you have an onset, the so-called, right? So a consonant at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we have he, she, you, right, they, and so on. So these are pretty strong sounds. So it is okay. But in the case of I... Uh, also uh, also remember that at that moment it was pronounced simply as e right Uh, Mm -hmm. which which became prolonged so e um uh, so it was insignificant not only in spelling but also in in the pronunciation and this was probably just to draw attention of uh, of the reader uh to to the fact that there is a personal pronoun there please note it's there it's important Mm
0: -hmm. uh uh, it's not a naive response it's a really cool response i'm really happy about it and now I, I think i will sleep better thank you very much for that
1: oh that's 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 great <laughs> yeah
0: yeah thank you thank you very much you,
1: you are all welcome to attend some courses in the history of english so uh, maybe after them you will sleep even better because some other mysteries will be solved
0: i think i might i might do just that um Oh, and one thing, like if, if somebody can't attend your course, uh, although I'm not really, uh, I don't know why would somebody not want to do that. But if they just, like, maybe lack of time, uh, is is there uh, some kind of a book or books uh, for lay people that some people might dip into when wanting to try to you know, understand these things or... Just read more. There are
1: thousands of books, thousands. of course. Uh-huh. Uh, the question is, uh, what, uh, what? the the, the person uh, would be interested in Uh, because you have uh, you have uh, books uh, starting from something like the English history of English for dummies right (laughs) Uh, so so you have books uh, which are like pillow reading I would say right very nice and telling you a certain story uh, with some uh, information about the language and uh, you finish with books that are extremely uh, advanced and uh, very very uh, difficult to to read you have books that are uh, focus on uh, morphology only and on phonology only and on syntax only and so on
0: how about this this this, this, this dummy this dummy things <laughs> um, because... uh, actually
1: um, uh, I think that a very good thing for 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 a beginner uh, would be um, like any kind of uh, David crystal's book uh, books uh, in fact uh, because hmm. he he wrote a few and uh, you his books are really very very uh, uh, easy to read uh, because his books are usually uh, in uh, in a form of certain stories um, and in a form of certain uh, interesting elements and certain intricacies. Uh, so there is, uh, for instance, a nice book which is entitled The Stories of English, uh, various stories which he refers to um, and various myths that uh, uh, he, he um, actually uh, uh, discusses and, uh, and then destroys or <laughs> Or, or supports um, so this is something that is uh, that w- would be recommended uh, there is also a, a pretty nice book which we treat as a kind of a manual but partly or it used to be treated as a kind of a manual uh, this is the book by, by Pius and Algeo um, uh, about, uh, about a, the history of English um, uh, where you also have a, a kind of a nar- narration like you know this guy came and this happened and then they fought and then they won and and so here you have uh, the, the influences on the language uh, and so on. Um, so uh, you have, uh, because these are things in which uh, uh, a language is combined with history. So you have uh, some historical events, uh, some um, information about uh, the situation in a country, what was happening in the country, um, uh, um, and uh, what, was, what changes affected the culture. And then it's like... Uh, it, it, English uh, and the language is somewhere there. Uh, Whereas uh, books that are purely linguistics uh, um, are are rather recommended for someone who's really interested in linguistics or who would like to uh, take a look at. uh, uh, And then, unfortunately perhaps uh, you probably will need to um, focus on a certain period so first go through a book which is about old English and how the language looked like and then look at the book which is about uh, middle English and uh, how it looked like and so on and, uh, there are also um, uh, very nice uh, books about uh, changes in the language which are not uh, strictly speaking about English but they are about the mechanisms of a change in the language so um, uh, they would be good for all those who uh, who do not really want to know when exactly a certain vowel in English changed into another vowel in English, but uh, uh, how come that, uh, for instance, uh, long vowels, diphthong eyes, or how come that sometimes new syntactic constructions develop. Um, uh, so uh, um, uh, you, have, you have books like, uh, like April McMahon, for instance, uh, Language Change, uh, which is also a very nice uh, uh, reading, uh, showing you also uh, examples, uh, not just from English, but also from many other languages.
0: All right uh, Anna. thank you very much.' Uh, it's, it's, it's been a f- fascinating talk. Uh, I'm just um, I'm sorry we just uh, can't speak uh, uh, longer. Uh, maybe on uh, another occasion.
1: I would be honored <laughs> I must say thank you very much uh, um, and goodbye everyone.
0: Yes, bye bye and this is it. Uh, many thanks to Anna Voish. I hope that having heard this show you might look at English with a little bit of understanding. I'd also like to thank uh, Robert Zmieliewski for his technical support. WCASY, whose song PRINCE and Bowie you can hear at the beginning and ending of each episode. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends and friends' friends about it. It will mean a lot for us. But for now, bye-bye.